welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletic Show. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's edition of the PowerCat Pregame Podcast, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald, and over the next hour, we're going to get you ready for Baylor and Kansas State on Saturday afternoon at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. As you know, Kansas State's coming off a heartbreaking 33-30 overtime loss at Texas last Saturday. A lot of what-ifs and uh, second-guessing has gone on since that loss, but now the Wildcats must move on and focus on a Baylor team that is struggling through a season that a lot of people didn't see coming. Yeah, we thought the Bears might be not as good as they were two years ago when they played the Big 12 championship. Thought maybe last year was a down cycle for the Bears. It's gotten worse this season. Kansas State is 6-3 and coming into this game and 4-2 and in the Big 12, while Baylor is 3-6 and overall this season and 2-4. and Those three wins have come against Long Island University and the two bottom teams in the Big 12, Cincinnati and UCF. Yeah, it's been a struggle all season long. For the Bears. But remember, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Well, if you're a regular, you know the drill. We'll talk to Brian Hanley, the former Kansas State offensive lineman on those 97 and 98 teams. We'll also then bring in our recruiting analyst, but he does a lot of uh, team coverage for us, and he does an incredible job of breaking down opponents. Ryan Wallace will be at the start of topic two, segment two, and then we'll have Ryan Gilbert to talk about gambling. We're going to take a look at all seven of the Big 12 games this week, and I got to tell you, there's two or three spreads from out of Vegas that I just don't understand. We will get into that. We'll also, at the very top here talk to will howard we usually put chris Kleiman in the first segment we'll save coach later in the show but will howard had a few things to say at tuesday's press conference i thought it was really good i spoke to him for a little while you'll get that and you'll also get some kobe savage later in this program can kansas state get back on track they've got only the wildcats only have three games left this season all in the state of kansas they've got baylor and iowa state at home with a trip to kansas sandwich in the middle but it all starts saturday 2 p.m bill snyder family stadium with the baylor bears the game will be shown streaming only on espn plus slash big 12 now so if you don't give big 12 now espn plus you're probably not watching this game you can of course hear it on the wildcat sports network if you want to listen to wyatt and stan and matt walters call the game on the radio well, let's stop messing around. We've set everything up. Here's QB1. He's made that pretty clear. He threw four touchdown passes last week at Texas. And if you're not aware, he is just two touchdown passes away from tying Josh Freeman for Kansas State's career touchdown pass record. He's got three games to do it. And after those games, I'm pretty certain, barring injury, that Will Howard will be the all-time career touchdown pass leader in Kansas State football history. And yet a lot of us continue to doubt Will Howard. The standard's been set pretty high around here, but Will Howard has done a good job recovering from a dreadful performance at Oklahoma State. Now let's get to QB1, Mr. Will Howard. 
What's the locker room been like, or you know, the, kind of the atmosphere around the team right now? Um, you know, after that game, we were hurt. I'm not gonna lie. Um, everybody was hurting. Um, we lost to a really good team in a game that we should have won, and, and the way that we lost was was brutal. Um, you know, because you're so close and you come back from being down so much, it's it's tough. It takes a toll, but um, you know, we flushed that now, and uh, you know, we're on to the next because. You know, who knows what could happen, and uh, we just got to control what we can control and, and take care of business this week at Baylor because it's a it's a really good road team that that, that they are, and they got some really good talent. So we gotta we gotta take care of business. We can't let Texas beat us twice. I don't know if you saw what Ben said post game. Give me your thoughts on that. Uh, man, that guy that guy means the world to me, and uh, our friendship goes so much further than this game. And I think you could kind of tell from that from the emotion that that he uh, exuded there. But um, man, he, you know, just him being willing to to put himself out there like that for me, it, I couldn't be more grateful to have a have a teammate like him, but to have a friend like him. And you know, I could say that about a ton of the other guys in the locker room. But um, you know, the bond that us two have is special. And um, I know you guys could probably see that in the in the emotion that he showed and, and even that I showed, um, you know, after hearing what, what he said. Man, it meant the world. It really did. I saw you get – I was in Vegas watching on TV, but I saw you get really emotional after one of the – I think you guys ended up having to kick a field goal. What was going through your head as you went to the sideline? You seemed very upset. Yeah, I, I, I don't even really know. Um, a lot of times when I'm out there, I'm 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 a competitive guy, and you know I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be excited when we have a field goal, no matter what the what the reason for it is. Um, I couldn't remember what what was going through my head at the time, but um, you know all all I know is that I was I wasn't wasn't happy that we we had to come off the field, and and uh, you know I I don't like I don't like kicking field goals in the red zone because. Um, you know, I feel like we've had a really good, really good offensive um, playing in the red zone this year. And, and any time that, um, <clears throat> I mean, just in the in the heat of the game, in the heat of the battle, man, I'm, I'm I got pretty fired up. And, and you know, it's it's not directed at anyone. It's not you know any any particular reasons. Just my competitive nature. And having Keegan step up like that in that game, how important is that to this offense? It was big. And uh, you know, Keegan, he's been through a lot. And uh, he's he's battled, and I'm I'm really excited for that kid because, um, you know, he 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 wants it, and I can tell, you know, he can can tell the toll that all of his you know kind of injuries and and you know the the stuff that he's been through has has affected him, and uh, to see the 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 way that he's fought back and and um, the success that he had last week is is only scratching the surface of what he can do, and I know he he knows that and. He's 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 going to continue to work, and I know he he wants it as bad as anybody. And uh, you know he's he's as talented as I come. And you know if if he can stay healthy and, and continue to do and build on what he did last week, it's um, going to be exciting for him. And now let's welcome in our friend Brian Hanley, one of our football analysts here at GoPowerCat.com. And Brian is invisible. Uh, that's why I turned off the camera. Brian is lit up with. Uh, recovering from knee surgery, uh, paint me stunned that an old offensive lineman he did some knee uh, surgery, Brian. But uh, 
I hope you're feeling well. I hope you have some uh, good drugs, and I hope you're not fully naked doing this segment. Uh, I'm gonna pass on the 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 last statement. I'm gonna plead the fifth. Okay. I definitely have some good drugs they hooked me up with. Um, I haven't taken any yet, so I need yeah. to probably dabble in there because my knee is killing me. But you know, when you run from a knee surgery for 26 years, Fitz, yeah. at some point. It's going to catch up to you, and it caught up to me. So, yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. I got one that needs to be done, but my other stuff won't allow it right now. So, let's talk a little football. Kansas State and Baylor on Saturday. Um, a, a truly baffling evolution for Baylor. Uh, they've just gone downhill. They just, uh, dude, they were in the Big 12 championship two years ago. They got worse and worse, and here we are. They're three and six coming in. They have won two Big 12 games against the worst two teams of the conference, Cincinnati and UCF, and they had to rally in a miracle fashion to beat UCF. Brian, I, I, I don't understand what's happened happened to Dave Aranda's program. Please explain it all to me, and I'll just sit here and listen. You know what? I wish I could. Um, it is, it's amazing because Baylor had it going. Let, let's just call it what it is. Baylor had it going again under Dave Aranda and – the bottom just completely fell out. Uh, now, I know they had a bunch of pros two years ago when they were in the Big 12 championship game, and they did. You know, they they, they had a bunch of pros on their team. Uh, they didn't necessarily replace them with guys like that, but you can replace people. You don't always have to have pros to be a good football program or a good football team, but, man, has it hit the skids, and I have no idea. Their quarterback has regressed. He has gotten worse um, and it's not just because he doesn't have the same type of playmakers around him. You just, if you watch football and you watch the games, you can see he's not the same player. He's worse. Uh, and maybe he's injured or something. I don't know. I just know he's not playing very well. Uh, and that team is just not playing very well. Yeah, his numbers, the passing numbers are okay, but he, uh, the offensive line's failing him so miserably. Um, they can't run the ball. They're they're almost as bad in run defense as UCF, which is a remarkable feat in itself. Uh, I feel like Aranda is just, uh, you know, not properly fed his his program with talent. And uh, you go into this game, I feel like Kansas State's going to turn around and hand it off and try to just pressure Blake Shapin into mistakes with that offensive line. I, I feel like this could be a really simple game plan for K-State. Yeah, I think they just run it. Uh, just run the football, get back to that. They're not going to be facing the kind of front that they did against Texas. Run the football, uh, just get back to the basics, get Avery out there a little bit more uh, and let him do a couple of more things. Um, Will Howard has taken his game to another level. He played an outstanding football game on Saturday. Uh, Just do basic stuff. Just get back to basics, stop the run, get the defense playing again the way that they were uh, and take care of business. Absolutely. Um, how would you use the quarterbacks in this? I thought Will Howard was fabulous at Texas. Just, uh, you know, the, the st- slow start again. I, I just think it was Colin Klein's play calling. I think he was way too conservative. I don't mean to be too critical, but um, once they let him throw, Will Howard was really good at Texas. Yeah. I mean, it started the game. I mean, just run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Um, about as predictable as it could get. Even when Avery came in, I mean, they knew what was coming. Just run, run. I mean, just it was silly. It, it was silly. 
Uh, I, I just you can't beat a team like Texas uh, trying to be predictable uh, and expecting your offensive line to just blow those guys off the ball like they had the last three weeks against opponents. You're asking too much of them. Uh, our offensive line is really, really good. But unfortunately, Texas's defensive line are full of guys that are going to be playing on Sundays. You know, they, they just are. And that's no no shot at our offensive line at all. It, I don't know how many of those guys are going to be. We know one is, but I don't know how many of those guys are going to be able to play on Sundays like that. But either way, the plan just wasn't great. But once yeah. we scrapped that and just said, you know what, we're going to throw the football the line was able to protect. I know they got a few sacks here or there, uh, but that happens in, in football. But for the most part, the line protected, and Will did his thing. I mean, it, it's it, the best pass he threw all day was one that got intercepted because yeah. it hit the receiver right in his hands, and he couldn't hold on to it. So uh, Will was outstanding. Um, maybe the best game that he's played at K-State under the circumstances. It, it just might be. I know he's had some other really good games, but under the circumstances, that may have been his best. If you're, as a former player, if you're coming off a big defeat like that, how challenging is it to get back up for another game? You're coming home, you're playing a lesser foe. It's kind of hard to lock in, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, no question about it. Uh, I, I know people are going to say, well, we're focused on one game at a time. But look, when you let an opportunity slip away like that, uh, and I believe that K-State, I believe we feel like we let the opportunity slip away. You know, I don't think that the guys or coaches in that locker room think that Texas just went out there and, and they were just better. No, nah, I don't believe that. Uh, and we watched the game. We don't believe that, you know, so – uh, so getting back up, it'll be tough. It'll take a couple of days, but you know, the, the, we're a mature locker room. We are a mature locker room. And when you have that, um, it helps. It really does help. Now, again, I'm not saying on Monday, they're going to be, they should have been locked in and ready to go. But by Wednesday, you know, you get around guys will be up and, and the game will come around and, they're going to have to get on them early. Hopefully, that's what the coaches are telling them. Jump on Baylor early. Uh, yeah. And maybe some of the mature guys in the locker room will understand that and get on other teammates. Hey, we need to jump on these guys early. Look at their season. If we jump on them early, maybe they'll lay down. I go, but even if they don't, we need to jump on them early to get this sour taste out of our mouth. Yeah, I, seriously, it, they, they need to come out of the locker room with a lot of fire and take care of business and open it up because, you know, then if you get away from them early third quarter, you can put in Avery and he can get some more significant snaps. Uh, the truth is Avery Johnson is going to be a great quarterback, but right now the better quarterback is clearly Will Howard in terms of being able to run the entire playbook. I, I don't want him trying to run against that Texas defense anymore. Uh, no. I wish I'd used Avery in a little of that situation, but I understand it, it's a little more complex than that. Uh, but uh, let's flip it over to the defense. They they were awful at the start of that Texas game. Then they collected themselves. They stopped the big passes. They started getting more pressure on the quarterback. Um, outside of that first quarter and a half, a little maybe a little more, uh, I was really worried. But Brian, they played so well after that. Yeah, I think they were a little shell-shocked. And I know we talked about it on the Insiders. They were shell-shocked by Texas's speed on the outside. 
And I know that was something that we were a little worried about because they hadn't really seen that. Texas receivers are really good. They are really good. And the one thing that we said is that, hey, make them throw the ball over our head. Well, Malik Murphy was able to do that, you know, early on. But after that, a little adjustment, and then all of a sudden we're having him make some reads, and the defense played well. They played well. They got a couple of little runs here or there. But for the most part, even on that that fourth down play, guy was there, just missed the tackle. I mean, so the, the defense got it together. The defense got it together um, and played played well again. Again, if you throw away, I don't know, maybe the first quarter and a half, the defense, I thought the defense played well. I, I really did. I thought they, they handled themselves well. They gave the offense an opportunity to catch up and get back into the football game. And that's something that when you're a complete team, and I believe K-State is a complete team, you have to be able to do that. Your offense is struggling. You need your defense. Hey, man, you got to help us. Let us get back into the football game. Give us time. Give us some more opportunities. And they took the football away from Texas and gave K-State more opportunities, and it helped. So when I went to Tuesday's press conference and I got there, I I missed Chris Kleiman coming back from covering basketball. Um, but I did get there in time for the players. To a man, they were talking about uh, we got to control what we need to control. We we uh, lost that game. We can't go back and do it. And it, it was a lot of cliches. But really, at this point, that's all they can do. They can't they can't reinvent what happened. They have an opportunity to win three games. Sure, they might be able to get to the Big Twelve title game with a lot of help. That's probably not happening. Uh, but you got to do what you got to do. It does, what if you get all that help and then lose a game? It would just be a travesty because playing Baylor and Iowa State at home and going to Kansas, these are three winnable games, even though KU is a much better team. Just take care of business. Yeah, I, I think it's easier. If there was one game left, I'd be really, really worried. Yeah. But because there's three games left, one of them's KU against a good KU team. I, I think it's a lot easier to get up and, and get going. You know, one game left, we're at home against Baylor. I, I get worried. I, I, I really would have been worried, Fitz. I'm like, oh, man, these guys are not going to want to play at all. However, when you got three games left uh, and you still have some opportunities to really have a good football season, uh, this is their chance to do that. I, I think the guys will – will come out and show some fire uh, and be pissed off. You know what I mean? Just be pissed off that they lost, again, a game that, I'll say it, we gave it away. It's a game I think we should have won. And I think they're going to come out and be pissed off and just take it right to Baylor. Well, I would hope so. I agree. And he's Brian Hanley. You can check him out right there at Big B Sports underscore sports on your social media platforms. But most of all, folks, do me a favor, go subscribe to his YouTube channel, start enjoying his content. He's probably uh, out for a little bit uh, until he can climb stairs. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. going to be a challenge. It'll be a challenge for a few more days. I, I tried to to push it, or I was thinking about pushing it today. I couldn't even get out of bed. I'm like, yeah, surgery yesterday. I, I can't even really get out of bed today. Let me just sit here for a little bit and recover. Yes, please do. <laughs> or hire sled dogs to drag your ass upstairs. There you go. 
<laughs> Thank you, Brian Hanley. I appreciate it very much. That is the first segment of the PowerCap pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Ryan Wallace is about to dig deep into those Baylor Bears. I hate bears. I'm so scared of them. On the other side of this break, thank you for listening and watching the PPP. That really sounds weird. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am GoPowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald. One segment is down and we've got Ryan Wallace standing by. In case you're a little bit curious, we've had some more technical issues out in Las Vegas covering basketball. I had all kinds of Wi-Fi issues and I've apparently brought the bad mojo home as my mic has not wanted to connect to the system today. So I'm doing this all with AirPods. Won't sound the best, but it's going to sound like something. We're sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Make sure you stop into Robbins because the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Well, in segment one, you heard from Will Howard and our football analyst, Brian Hanley. And in a moment, you're going to hear from our recruiting expert who also does team breakdowns of Big 12 opponents or K-State football opponents, Ryan Wallace. But now let's hear from Chris Kleiman and his thoughts following Kansas State's 33-30 loss at Texas and what lies ahead for his cats. And then we'll dig it right in with Ryan Wallace. And at the end, we still got some more interviews to go with Kobe Savage and our own Ryan Gilbert. Here is Coach Kleiman. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, great to see everybody. Tough, tough loss on, on Saturday. And um, you know, we had a, a pretty good meeting yesterday with our leadership council and uh, a couple things. One, how proud we were of, of the effort and uh, how the guys fought and battled and played. Texas is really good. We all know that. And um, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that could go in there, be down 17 nothing, and not do anything right in the whole first half, offense, defense, or on teams, and then flip the flip the game with the punt block to get it at least competitive at halftime. And then we go down 27-7. to Things weren't going really great, and all of a sudden uh, we put a great drive together, get it to 27-14, and then we start creating some turnovers, and lo and behold, we're in a game and have a chance to win. And uh, it's a credit to the locker room. It's a credit to the culture. Our guys are hurting. that uh, um, We had a chance, an opportunity to win the game, didn't get it done. Biggest thing for us now is we've got to move forward. Um, you know, we always talk about how you respond. Well, this is a little bit different. We had uh, a top five team, in my opinion, on the ropes. Um, uh, they they made some plays down the stretch uh, and, and found a way to win. Um, hats off to them. Now we've got to be able to move on. We've got to be able. We've got so much story to write in this season and so many more things to accomplish and, and, and some uh, awesome opportunities. And the first one starts this Saturday uh, with one of our last two for these seniors at the bill. And uh, so we had a really good practice after a meeting yesterday we had a really good practice good energy good focus and uh, uh, I'm, I'm confident the guys are going to come come back and respond and now we're joined by Ryan Wallace as I have switched to the airpods god Wally why is technology hate me it's been why? a day it's been a day it's been you. a day I had a light go out with Hanley Hanley went out a couple times had to cover it up I'm telling you what this isn't easy but the mic does not want to connect today and so be it onward we go Wally Kansas State and Baylor Kansas State at six and three, Baylor at I think three and six. 
Uh, boy, uh, it's been a rough season for Baylor. Give me your thoughts on what has gone wrong with the Bears. Yeah, uh, they come to Manhattan, um, and Dave Aranda mentioned this after their loss to Houston last week. He kind of alluded to it being a, quote, broken locker room. So not uh, not great if you're a Baylor fan right now. And honestly, Fitz, I, I feel bad for Dave Aranda because I have a lot of respect for him as a coach, him as a person, uh, the staff that he's put together. I think he's got some pieces, but it's 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 like he's a decade like late. You know what I mean? I think he's not the type of coach to me that is built for the path that college football is on with NIL, with the transfer portal. He's an old school developmental first, wants guys that are hungry and, you know, again, take players two to three years down the road and that's kind of what he wants. And in today's day and age, that's not how you get success, uh, certainly not success quickly. And thus, here we are with a Baylor team uh, that is bottom three in scoring offense and bottom three in scoring defense. And they're the only team in the Big 12 right now in conference play that can say that on both sides. It has been a rough go in Waco this year. Yeah, it really has. And it, as I told Brian in the first segment, it's hard to watch. Uh, it, it, it's, it's hard to fathom uh, being in this position at this point because they were just in the Big 12 championship. Yeah. And look, Oklahoma State and Baylor both slid back after that appearance. Uh, o, o State recovered. Baylor seems to have gotten worse. Um, this should be a game K-State handles. I know everyone say trap game, but Wally, it's the only trap that's set here is in the K-State locker room. Yeah. If you don't come out and rebound and take care of business, it's a trap game. If you do come out and rebound and get back to what made you so good in the prior three games, you're gonna you're gonna win by twenty one or more. I would have been much more uh, worried about this being a trap game, you know, had Kansas State come out and taken care of business against Texas. And I don't even mean had they won in overtime. I mean had the game just gone differently. Even if they had won, I think there was so much to improve on and so much to hang your head about in Austin. There's no chance they're going to come out in this game not fired up, especially now coming out of a loss. Um, Baylor still has some weapons, Fitz. I mean, if you look at them on offense and defense, skill player-wise, they've got enough there to threaten. Um, it's just been in the trenches, Fitz, where they have just been – just an abomination. I mean, we're talking a lot of people have watched Colorado this year, right? Um, everybody's turning on to see what Deion Sanders team is going to do. This offensive line has been Colorado bad. Um, and it's unfortunate because it's coming a year that Blake Shapen has taken that next step for as bad as Baylor's been. Blake Shapen ha has been better. Um, and, and statistically he's got the third most passing yards in big 12 play. He's only a yard behind second place, Dylan Gabriel. The guy's throwing it around. He's got some receivers, um, but, you know, the, the rotation at the running back has been puzzling. Um, they've got Dominic Richardson and Richard Reese. Uh, they've got a, a freshman tailback as well that they've been getting into the mix here of late. And, uh, again, those guys are all capable. They have some receivers. Uh, Jackson, the, the transfer from Arkansas, is dangerous. Hal Presley, before he got lost for the year by, uh, due to injury, uh, is a very capable guy. Monterey Baldwin. Josh Cameron, they, they've got guys. Uh, but if you can't block, Fitz, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of been the problem is you've got Blake Shapen under duress constantly. They can't 
you know, open holes on, on the running game. And I think it's come as a little bit of a shock to Baylor, really, because I, from talking to insiders that know this Baylor Bears program, I think they thought they would take a little bit of a step back at the offensive line. They lost some seasoned guys from a year ago, but I think they were positive and upbeat about the components they had on the offensive line this year, but uh, they have just not developed the way uh, that they thought, nor nearly as quickly as they need them to. And that's been the struggle. Yeah. Shaping stats aren't bad. <clears throat> Their rushing stats are awful. The rush defense is pathetic, only uh, saved by UCF's rush defense yeah. and the <laughs> conference stats. Um, this looks sort of like a, a turnaround and handed off type of game. Yeah. Um, because actually their pass defense has been pretty good, but you know, I always remind people that in the heat of bad football at Kansas State, Kansas State used to thump their chest about having the best, best pass defense in the Big Eight. Well, they had a great pass defense because nobody bothered to throw <laughs> the ball. Right. You know, they just turn around and hand it off and win a game by 50. And, and that's what's happened to Baylor. People are just handing it off, possessing the ball, running the clock, scoring touchdowns, and beating them up at the line of scrimmage. It, it's a sad form of football for Baylor fans who are really suffering. Yeah, and I mean, it comes at a perfect time for K-State, uh, who've just gotten – they got beat up in Texas. I mean, that from the defensive line – I mean, going against Texas' offensive line, it, it's tough. Um, but this is the type of game, too, where, you know, K-State should, should bounce back. I think the defense should be able to get some confidence, getting some pressure. Uh, 24 sacks against in Big 12 play uh, is the most surrendered by any offensive line right now. Uh, it's actually 10 more than the next worst offensive line in the Big 12. So I think K-State should be able to naturally get more pressure, certainly by design with Joe Klanderman, get to Blake Shapen. And then, as you mentioned, uh, in the rushing category, boy, uh, we'll leave Gills to do the betting. You know, that's his segment. But I'll, I'll just – if you want to throw some money around, you bet heavy on DJ Giddens and Trayshawn Ward in this one. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you know, UCF is the only other defense that K-State has played to this point that's been worse in the uh, defensive rushing category. Third worst rush defense of any Power 5 team in America is Baylor. And Texas is top 10. So, I mean, you go from going against one of the best against one of the worst, surrenders 6.6 .6 yards per rush. So, it's a get back game. And this is what, again, this is what K-State needs right now, Fitz, uh, with KU looming ahead. And and we'll get plenty more to talk about with the Jayhawks. I think K-State matches up fairly well against them, too. But we'll save that for next week. This is the type of game that, you know, you want to rebuild some confidence. And again, hopefully, as Chris Kleiman alluded to this week, maybe get some guys in uh, that they that haven't been in since SEMO. Because now, you know, that ceiling, that cap is off. Basically, everybody from here on out that has only played about a game, there's no fear about, you know, uh, risking a red shirt for those guys. So yeah. uh, they can they can really come unglued in this one in a good way for K-State. You've got a dog barking. I have a dog yes. head right here uh, licking my hand. This is a this podcast is off the rails this week. Um, I again, I come back to this. I. I really don't want to be disrespectful to Baylor, but I, I just don't see how without even a performance like Oklahoma state, I feel like K state at home wins this game. Sure. And honestly, I think K state needs a bigger test right now. That, that's just a weird thing to say. I wish the Capota was better and maybe Baylor will serve that up. They've had glimpses of being a pretty good football team. Ask UCF at the end of that game. Yeah, that was, yeah, that they, but they have these moments and, but overall they just haven't played well. The defense hasn't been 
what it should be? Well, and, and Fitz, in Baylor's defense on defense, um, I think that they really haven't gotten what they had hoped and what they envisioned uh, from some of their transfers uh, that, that came in. As I was going through and kind of mocking the projected starters as we do our uh, as recruits segment each week, this is one of the first games that I can remember in a long time where if the projected starters go the way that they sh- they, they have in the last several weeks in the way uh, that they're documented on the depth chart, there won't be a single transfer starting for Baylor. And that's that's really odd. A Johnny Carter was a guy from Utah State, was an all-Mountain West guy that they thought was going to be this veteran presence at safety and, and maybe their star position. Never arrived to campus, just didn't get there. Uh, Mike Smith, the transfer from Liberty at linebacker, was is a tackling machine, led Liberty, a, a good Liberty team last year in tackles. Torn MCL, done after five games. Isaiah Dunson, uh, transfer from Miami, all the length in the world. Thought that they could be kind of their Juju Brents type. Started the first game, a loss to Texas State, mind you. Has barely seen the, seen the field since because he just hasn't amounted to, I think, what they thought. Um, and so I, I just feel like there's there's been a lot of growing pains. They've had to play a lot uh, of younger players. And again, in this world of transfers where you need season players – it's kind of like Iowa State last year, where we've seen Iowa State grow this year because a lot of those guys have been playing the last two years. Well, right now, Baylor is in that, that down year as they get guys uh, some, some seasoning, if you will, some, some experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is one that, again, K-State should come out of the gates and fire quickly. Interesting stat here, Fitz. Baylor in the first half of games this year has been outscored 81 to 149. And then they've come back in the second half and outscored their opponents narrowly 116 to 108. They've only led at halftime three times all year. Largest margin, nine points to Long Island University. So again, to your point, Fitz, in defense of Dave Aranda, I don't think things have really gone the way that he envisioned. Maybe part of that is is his to blame and his staffs for not identifying right. Maybe some of it is they've been bitten by the injury bug and all sorts of other things. But at the end of the day, you want to say that, you know, Baylor, you know, it won't be this blowout, but let's be honest, Fitz, it should be. Yeah, it should be. Give me a worst case scenario for this game for K-State. What ha- what has to go wrong to lose this? Uh, well, I mean, the first thing that jumped to mind would be, you know, an, an injury somewhere that, that you can't have it happen. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe somewhere in the secondary, since as I mentioned, Shapin is a guy that has proven this year that he'll just fire it downfield because he has no time. So he'll just throw it up and let one of his, one of his receivers go get it. <clears throat> so maybe it's, you know, a seagull, a pain, a savage that goes down. Will Howard potentially. Um, but again, as bad as Baylor's been against the run, that sets up nicely for Avery Johnson. You could get out of this with a win. Um, honestly, Fitz, it's just not being locked in. It would be somehow, and I don't see how that would happen, where preparation and mental focus coming out of a game like Texas isn't there for a second straight week because K-State's looking ahead at KU, maybe. Um, It's the only thing I can think of because, again, I I think even if some things were to go wrong schematically or the injury bug, you would feel confident that K-State still has enough in their second and, and, and third string guys to, you know, squeak out a win against Baylor. Um, as weird as that would be to say, yeah, <laughs> and to have happen, yeah, yeah, eighty-four to three over the last two home games for the Wildcats, or eighty-two to three, excuse me, uh, over the last two home games for the Wildcats. Um, 
is another significant win like that the best case or does it go deeper than that quarterback rotation young players rotating in those type of things well, I definitely think you want to see you know the rotation go deep in this type of game um, and again to me this goes back to a bigger picture beyond just this week uh, K-State's due for it and they need to have it happen uh, you can't just go into 2024 relying on your in-season practices and some bowl prep you know uh hard scrimmages or what have you to get that too deep ready um, because there's going to be a lot of guys, especially on the offensive line uh, and certainly at some other positions that K-State need to get under the lights that need to get even against a team like Baylor. They've got athletes. Like I said, they need to be tested uh, in that situation. We haven't seen K-State been able to do that. Um, and I, this is the game where they absolutely have to. So yeah, this is one that, uh, I, K-State should and K-State needs to blow the doors off. Yep, I would agree with that completely. Before we wrap up shop here, uh, give me your assessment of this quarterback situation at Kansas State. Uh, as a guy that doesn't cover this team from you know day to day, you're, you're kind of our uh, drone above everything uh, assessing uh, what's going on here. But um, I'm I'm fascinated by this because I think we can agree that Avery Johnson it might be a generational type talent at quarterback, but that Will Howard needs to be the quarterback this year. Will Howard's the guy. Uh, I mean, yeah. plain and simple, he's the guy. Um, should have been the guy at Texas. Was the guy at Texas. Should and will be the guy moving forward. Um, but I mean, we'll, I'll echo something here that fits. I think we said five weeks ago, three weeks ago, every week. You have to, you have to, and you should, because at this point you have nothing to lose. He's already burned his red shirt. You yeah. have to use Avery Johnson and you have to use him in ways that's going to benefit him and you moving forward, not just in years to come, but even this season, the usage and, and the way that they used Avery Johnson uh, against Texas and, you know, even going back to, uh, you know, the Texas Tech game, I guess a little bit Houston, they did let him you know, I, I guess a little bit throw it around, but also we saw Jake Rubley a little bit in that game too. They, they've got to use him better. Uh, I don't I don't think they're uh, doing him and themselves any any service for moving forward by, you know, just kind of having him come out and run the particular designs and sets that they had him run in Austin. So it's still Will Howard's team. It will continue to be Will Howard's team. All the support in the world for Will Howard. Um, but you've got to have Avery Johnson come into games and do some things that are going to help expand this offense this year and get him ready to grow this offense furthermore in 2024 uh, because so far for much of this season uh, I would say that they've kind of done Avery Johnson a, a disservice in terms of maturing him as a quarterback and maturing this offense for years to come. Ryan Wallace I thank you very much my dogs want to bark this Mine too. Over. <laughs> I know. I just this day. My, me and technology. I am being beaten over the head by technology as of late. But onward, onward to Ryan Gilbert and his bets. Oh man, I took Ryan Gilbert to Vegas. I'm, I'm telling you what. Did I, you win? I barely saw him. I, I, I didn't do anything. He just disappeared for hours at times. I don't. I don't know. Hopefully not betting on football. But that's no, no. I think he watched some football. Uh, he's a guy to get lost in the Bellagio poker room for hours. At, Good um, for you, Gills. It's yeah, hoop season for Gills. I know. I know. That's it for this segment of the Powercat Pregame Podcast. On the other side, I'm sticking with the AirPods. In fact, I'm going to go back and re record everything with the AirPods. 
because now you can hear me and there goes my phone we're out of here <laughs> that's it we'll be back after this gopowercat.com's powercat podcast continues after this short break welcome back to the powercat podcast welcome back to the powercat pre-game podcast sponsored by our friends at robbins motor company we're almost done with this week's preview of Kansas State and Baylor 2 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday right here in Manhattan, Kansas. We hope you can make it. I think the weather's supposed to be okay. Honestly, I haven't looked. And we also have Ryan Gilbert standing by to talk about all of the Big 12 lines. And I'm telling you, folks, there's a couple lines I don't understand. I might be a bad better, but there's a couple that really jump out at me. And before we get to that, we're going to talk to Kobe Savage, the K-State senior safety, who has had a good season. And we will get his thoughts on the team and Baylor in just a moment. But remember, we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, proud sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. Well, it's not mess around anymore. Here's Kobe Savage, and we'll jump right in with Ryan Gilbert to talk about the odds around the Big 12, and then I'll give this show a wrap. Kobe Savage, one of my favorite players in a while at K-State. Take it over, Kobe. Kobe, what's the mood to this team and defense right now? Uh, I feel like we're still in high spirits, um, just controlling what we control each day, um, trying to win each practice, each rep, mentally and physically. Is it good to be home and the fact that you don't leave the state of Kansas for the rest of the regular season? Yeah, it's definitely good to be home and see a lot of purple. Um, just having that uh, extra advantage with that home field and all the fans out there screaming our name and wearing a lot of purple. How much of the takeaways boosted this defense the last few weeks? Yeah, we do We do need to do a better job of takeaways, just getting um, getting a lot more turnovers, getting our hands on balls and, and uh, making sure we pick the ball off, making sure we're scooping a score, we're simul-punching, just, just getting a lot more takeaways. I feel like that's going to have a momentum boost to help our offense or special teams throughout the games. You got three on Saturday. You feel like you guys left a few out there as well. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. We definitely left some. I mean, which is just, just that just goes into practice, just making sure we're catching balls at practice and finishing through, uh, playing through the hands, just little stuff like that. I feel like we can do a better job of. What was the adjustment you guys made it in the second half where you did a pretty effective job of shutting him down? Uh, we cut out a lot of our, like, um, I'd say exotic calls and just played base down ball that we would normally do during, like, a fall camp or the beginning of the season. And everybody just honed in to what uh, their job was and just focused on their 111. And I feel like we did a really good job in the second half of that. And now it is time for Ryan Gilbert. Gills, you were just discussed in the previous segment about your behavior in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I let everyone know that you're a poker player and you wandered out and played poker. Yeah, I wanted to get away from you. So the way things are going technology wise, I'm surprised your phone didn't work either. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was me that <laughs> I don't know. Let's get on with this. Uh welcome back to the pregame podcast, everyone. And uh this is Ryan Gilbert. He's our betting guy, if you've been watching. And Gills, I'm gonna I put a lot on your shoulders this week. <clears throat> and and we're picking the entire slate of Big Twelve games. First time we've done seven, so we better be quick here. Uh, the first game is, uh, in, in my technical terms, stinky. It's Houston minus two and a half versus Cincinnati. Uh, the seven people that watch this on TV, this game is being televised, I believe, and not Kansas State. I, I don't understand. Uh, 
if you had to pick between Houston minus two and a half against Cincinnati in Houston, I believe, what would you do with your money? I'd place it on Houston. I don't really want to talk about this game just because it's so boring, but we have to. That's what the listeners want. So here we are. I would say they don't. they don't want to hear us, but I'll say that I'll say Houston's um, passing attack going up against Cincinnati's defense, which uh, is more of a the, the strength of their defense is stopping the run, not the pass. So you mentioned it being in Houston. I'll take the home team, and I think that Houston can put up some points on Cincinnati. Oklahoma minus 12 and a half against the West Virginia team that's been playing pretty good football. They're in that upper portion of the conference. They're in that tie at four and two with five other schools, including Kansas State and Kansas. Um, this is kind of their test, their reality check, I guess, because I think Oklahoma is beatable. I think West Virginia can beat them, but probably not Norman. But the 12 and a half kind of surprised me. That's a big number for a team uh, in Oklahoma that, uh, you know, just, doesn't quite seem the same right now. Oklahoma is clearly the better team. Fitz, mm-hmm. all, all the numbers and stuff would back that up. But you look at just the state of the, the locker rooms, right? The morale on each team. West Virginia and Oklahoma are both four and two. And so while it's probably unlikely, uh, a path to Arlington still does exist. But West Virginia is coming off of two victories, whereas Oklahoma had it all right in front of them. And then they've lost two in a row, and, and now they're facing an uphill battle. And so, yes, Oklahoma's probably the better team, but the angle that I like here is just West Virginia having more momentum right now. Now, sure, Oklahoma could maybe come out and have a chip on its shoulder and want to prove people wrong after a couple of losses, but their season's kind of toast when it was all right there for them. And so I, I think I think Oklahoma's going to stumble downhill a little bit, and I think West Virginia keeps this one close. I'm not necessarily calling the upset, but I wouldn't be surprised if West Virginia can can get a win. And I think they're they're probably the more locked-in group right now. That's just my hunch. I agree with all that. <clears throat> um, Iowa State minus seven at BYU. The Cyclones are in that grouping, along with the teams we've mentioned, at four and two. I think it's a lot of fool's gold uh, in what Iowa State's doing this year. Uh, Kansas handled them despite only a seven-point difference. I thought KU was by far the better team in that game. Uh, but Iowa State goes to BYU. Girls, I have a feeling BYU is going to win this outright. I don't know why. I, I just think Iowa State's being overvalued by the book right here. And I think BYU at home is a BYU at home is a huge, huge challenge for Iowa State. I feel like a letdown. I agree. You said uh, fool's gold. That was a great term, Fitz. A letdown uh, from from Iowa State. I can see that happening for sure. So I'm with you. I would go BYU. But this is one of those games where it's also like, bleh. You know, <laughs> this is the Big 12 now, right? You got just a few yeah. of those games every weekend where it's, there's going to be some great games, and then you're going to have games like this. Did I skip over Texas TCU? I did, didn't I? Um, I did, I, did I skip them? You, we, you skipped it, yes. I'm shaking my wow. head in displeasure. What I man, Texas minus a minus nine and a half at home against TCU. I want I want to uh, I'm going to check with my wife first about putting the mortgage on Texas to cover this. TCU's not very good. I I don't feel like if Texas doesn't win by double digits in this game, what what are the Longhorns doing? You tell me. But that's why you want. This is why I'm here, right? TCU's been good at home, so I probably I, I get the line. Only one loss in Fort Worth, and that was, I believe, by three to, to Baylor, I think. But um, So they've been okay at home. That's respectable. But after that game that we saw on Saturday, 
that you were watching in Vegas at the sports book, right? I was up in the air, um, missing part of it, but the game we saw from Texas, right? That, that seems like a game where they got some of the jitters out of the way with a young quarterback. And he certainly made some mistakes, but that's because K-State's defense is really good. There was a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. him, you know, that, that developed throughout the game. And so that stuff, while it is on tape, you learn from it if you're Texas and you're not going up against such a fierce defense that K-State does have. And so I'll go Texas here to to have sort of a get-right game. And they're a couple of games away from making it to Arlington. They should be locked in and ready to go. And it's, you know, as for as ugly as some of Texas's second-half woes were, it's hard to see them replicating that. I think they'll get back to the way they played in the first half against K-State. Uh, sounds good to me. Another line I don't quite understand, uh, KU minus three and a half at home against Tech. Uh, what? Uh, I, yeah. I'm, there's some lines I really don't understand. I think KU is a pretty good football team. Tech is one of the better of the rest, if that's a compliment, I don't know, of the bottom part of the conference. They're kind of in you know, limbo in the middle area. Uh, but I feel like KU wins this by you know, touchdown or more. Yeah, KU's been a little inconsistent this year, so maybe I, I get it if you want to lean on Texas Tech, but the line just doesn't really make much sense, does it? I get it. The Red Raiders are getting healthier now as the season is progressing, but I, I kind of talked about this with one of the other games, you know, Oklahoma and West Virginia. I talked about where those two programs are at. Texas Tech is playing for a bowl, to fight for a bowl game, right, with four wins right now. KU, I mentioned those other two teams, right? KU's got an outside chance at making it to Arlington, going to you know take a lot of dominoes to fall that you know their way but there's still a chance there so i think ku's going to be the more locked in team here in, in lawrence they're at home and this is one of those lines we'll talk about oklahoma state here in a second but this is one of those lines where it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, to people like me and you fits no it does not oklahoma state speaking of lines that make no sense uh i mean no sense <laughs> I, I don't know i swore off gambling because i've been so bad at it but I look at this game as one of the strangest lines I have ever seen. Oklahoma State, with Ollie Gordon going bat crazy, I left the word out, on the entire conference running the football, and UCF can't stop the wind running the football. I mean, it, they can't stop anything running the football. They can't tackle <clears throat> Oklahoma State by two and a half at or. In Orlando, I, I know it's a road game, but does that make UCF's defense tackle Ollie Gordon better? This this line makes no sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense. It? But it, it, like I said, to people like me and you, it doesn't make sense. But you look at all of the, the analytics and sort of the predictive measures that are out there. It's certainly, you know, those back up this line. This, you know, looks like a coin flip game just based off of those numbers that the computer spit out. And so... I agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. And from my experience in sports betting, these are the games that you want to stay away from because it, it could be a trap. It could not be, but it, it it does not make any sense. And sometimes if things are too good to be true, you know, they, they can be and they cannot be. Depends. But I just, I wouldn't bet on US, UCF, right? If you're going to go no. one way, you got to go Oklahoma State. But yeah, this one is just baffling, isn't it, Fitz? Yeah, maybe Ollie's going to get kneecapped later this week. We don't know that's coming. This is makes sense. The rig, man. I, you know, this is a good game for rigged the, against me for that crowd. <laughs> if UCF, yeah, we'll see. No we'll doubt. see. Okay, 
Cats, Bears, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. K-State is favored by 20 and a half for a conference game, a Big 12 conference game. That's an enormous number. Um, but I do feel like this is a mismatch. So the only question I have for you, does K-State win by 21 points, three touchdowns or more at home against the fading Baylor Bears? I hate to say this because I'm always wrong on these K-State games. Yes, I, I, I say yes. And you go back and look at, <laughs> you look at the history of the last couple of games um, with K-State playing at home, right? Baylor's right on those levels of, of Houston and TCU. And so those were, what, 40-point games each, right? So K-State's only getting half of that at 20. I mean, if history is going to repeat itself, man, uh, K-State's going to gonna steamroll Baylor. Uh, it's just, you know, everything's going wrong, it feels like, in Waco. We talked about this on the pre, on the, the questions podcast earlier in the week, Fitz, but there's not a whole lot for Baylor to hang its hat on. Blake Shapin uh, is playing some respectable football, but the surrounding cast around him, he's got really no pieces to work with. And so I see a, a K-State blowout incoming. And so with that information... Uh, the listeners can now hammer Baylor because I'm yes, always wrong. Exactly. So yes, I'm sorry. But, but I, you won't be this time. You won't. I, you can't, right you can't possibly time. be wrong. Then it's, it's impossible. My betting expert's so bad at picking K-State games. It's unbelievable. It's, it's become wonderful. It's so bad. It's, it's funny. Joyful. I really do laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I'm done with Ryan Gilbert. Ryan Gilbert. Thank you so very much. I do truly appreciate Ryan Gilbert helping us out here. He studies the games for us. He's been pretty good, not on K-State games, but on everything else. It's Kansas State and Baylor, 2 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. If you're not able to be in the bill, you have to watch it on ESPN Plus slash Big 12 Now, which is the ESPN streaming platform. I apologize for more technical difficulties. The sound hasn't been what I'd want, but here we are. We're at a week uh, 10. Wow, this is the 10th game of the season for K-State. And uh, apparently uh, my technology is like Daniel Green. It's done for the season. My one thing to watch for this game between the Cats and Bears is pretty simple. Can K-State just come out and bully the Bears? Can they run the ball at will? Can they um, you know, stop Baylor's running game and get some pressure on Blake Shapin so the passing game can't warm up? Let's be honest. This should be a game Kansas State dominates. When the spread is 21 points, you're expected to win by three touchdowns. That means if everything goes right, Baylor might be competitive in this game. And if everything doesn't quite go the way as planned, this is going to be a blowout. At Bill Snyder Family Stadium, I feel like it will be a blowout. So I say watch that offensive line for K-State. See if they can follow them to victory. See if K-State can rack up huge running numbers. There's a little side thing to keep an eye on as those quarterbacks. How will they be used? Does this offer Kansas State a chance to unleash Avery Johnson if this game can get out of hand? Or do they play him in the heat of the game or just stick with Will Howard? I'm very interested myself in seeing how that goes. Remember, 2 p.m. I hope you can make it to Bill Snyder Family Stadium. There's only two more games left at the Bill. Iowa State, of course, will conclude the state the season schedule at home and the season regular season schedule as the cyclones will come in at saturday after thanksgiving so this might be it for you if you can't make it with the cats and bears at the bill and i will see you at the bill thank you for listening to the power cat podcast 
Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.